It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, 100.3 FM, or WROLradio.com. If you're thinking, hmm, did something just happen? Yeah, it did. Yeah, but we fixed it, whatever it was. Dennis fixed it. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Yeah, it yeah. should have been automatic, but right, I had to do it manually right, today. Well, that's, that's We're okay. getting there. It's better than last week. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. All right. Um, uh, coming up, uh, if all things go as planned, we'll be talking to Scott Gonzo Weaver. Uh, he is, uh, among other things, does a does a, a publication called uh, Gonzo's Toolbox, and he also found the loose nut behind the wheel, which is the name of his book. So we'll we'll talk to him about that. Also, we have a car review coming up. And we kind of have a sort of a tool review coming up. We'll talk about we'll talk about that too, and uh, so quite a few quite a few things to talk about. Uh, I want to thank uh, the guy from Boston. If you were listening previously, if you were listening to Joe, uh, he had me on for a half an hour or so on his program, and uh, talking about uh, a little bit of everything: spring car care, uh, looking at tire tire possible tire issues. Uh, all kinds of different stuff, and his dream to uh, own a Humvee. So I told him, call the, call the, get on the uh, Gov Planet website and buy your own Humvee. Check it out. See what's going on there. Well, if you got, if you live in Massachusetts and you had your car inspected last month, your sticker might have a two on it instead of a three. Customers that passed their inspection on March 1st, 2019, had a 2 printed on the sticker as the expiration month instead of a 3. Also, customers who failed their inspection on March 1st and later uh, passed their inspection may also have the incorrect month printed on the sticker. Any customers that received an inspection on March 1st and would like a corrected inspection sticker that displays March as the expiration month need to contact uh, A-plus customer service. And that's the uh, the company that handles the sticker program in Massachusetts. That's their Motors Assistance Center. The phone number is 844-358-0135 to arrange for a corrected sticker. Customers may need to contact, um, who need to contact customer service. Uh, you can't do it any later than March 24th. I wonder how they picked that random date uh, to obtain the corrected sticker. So not like... May 1st or March 31st, March 24th. Just maybe, on. maybe, be, wait, you mean April 24th? Nope, March 24th. So it's already, it's already April. Yeah, I know. But no, you can't contact them. Oh, I'm sorry, May 24th. What was they saying, March? March. Oh, okay. <laughs> May 24th. Yeah. So, but why wasn't it like April 24th or something? Maybe they were And why wasn't it April 30th? they probably didn't May realize. 30th or... Why the 24th? just seems random. It's like they threw a dart and hit, hit a place on a calendar. And Maybe after the 24th of every month, that's when business starts really picking up. I don't and know. It gets, Who knows? 
Who knows what the real reason was? But you're not required to obtain a corrected sticker. You don't have to if you're okay with it saying two instead of three and getting gypped out of a month. Uh, that's fine. Well, you still go on March 1st and say, oh, I didn't realize it expired yesterday. You could, although potentially you could get a, you could get a, get a ticket. ticket. Yeah. There are people out there. It's kind of it, it's always kind of funny to me that go the next month. So if your sticker expires in March, they go in April, and they figure they're getting an extra month out of it. And if they do that 12 times in a row, they get a whole year worth of free inspection. It's not. It's, I can't. It's, it seems like a lot of work. There was a there was a there was a vehicle mm-hmm. on my street mm-hmm. when I first moved there. It was in 2016. Um, their inspection sticker expired in 2015. I've lived there three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was late last year where I saw that that vehicle finally got a rejected inspection sticker for whatever, and now that vehicle is gone. But they were they were definitely driving that vehicle around, and it was expired on an expired inspection mm. for like two and a half years. Mm. Well, what probably happened is either they their registration came up to be renewed, and if you don't have a valid inspection, they they hold your they hold your renewal, and it says you can't renew your your registration because you didn't get an inspection sticker. So then, how do you get an inspection sticker? Because you need a registration to get an inspection. That's sticker. right. That's right. So you have to go. You have to go and say, I have to go get my car inspected. I can't be running around with expired plates because I mean, how you get your you get your plate reminder what like sixty days ahead of time? Yes. So it's like, well, you're not going to get a new, you're not going to get that little sticker in the mail unless you go get an inspection sticker because it's been overdue by two years or whatever it is. So they do actually flag it and say, you know, this is what you have to do to get a sticker. So, Yet when I was, or you, you just drive around with expired plates. When I was nineteen, that was that was that was the dentist that I that that existed then. Was expired it expired? Expired plates, um, no license, no registration, obviously, no insurance, uh, no insurance expired inspection mm. sticker. That's how you end up in jail. Yeah, it, it did. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a good idea. Nope. Yeah, for what lesson little, learned? For what little money uh, you spend, not a good idea. Spent a lot more money getting out of that situation than I would have if mm. I just did it right. Yep. I got something in the mail the other day. Occasionally, I get things to play with and try out. And the company works, W-O-R-X. And you've seen, you may have seen their things. They have leaf blowers and hedge trimmers and vices and all kinds of different little products that they sell. And uh, they they sent me uh, two different works lights. One of them kind of looks like a flashlight. And the other one looks like a regular work light, like a lantern-style construction light sort of thing. And they both run on the same 20-volt lithium-ion rechargeable battery. And the one that looks like a flashlight looks like a flashlight, except you can pull the top of it out, and then it becomes kind of a LED drop light sort of thing. And... You can tilt it on different angles, so if you're working in an awkward place, you can angle it up or down. What's nice about these is, A, they're rechargeable, so there's no cord to trip over, and, B, that they're um, LEDs so they don't get hot. 
The one that really impressed me, though, was the uh, the the one the the actual work light, and that one is. So you've seen the ones that people have mounted on stands that they can light up rooms that they're working on and stuff. But if you're working outside at night and you're working on your car, for instance, uh, you can, you know, this thing actually works really well. And what I like about it, they call it they call it a cord-free, go-anywhere, 20-volt worksite light. Makes any project where light is needed easier. It weighs about five and a half pounds with the battery. has a built-in hook that you can hang it at the worksite. Um, you can hang it on a, I don't know, closet rod if you want. It can be mounted on a conventional tripod. And it's LED, so the battery life is really good with it. And it's really solid, doesn't flip over. Same kind of thing. If you're doing something around your car at night, I was had to replace an outlet in my shed because I changed the light. I had an old light fixture in there. I put an LED um four-foot LED light fixture in there, but I had to turn the power off um, in the shed. And uh, when I turned the power off, um, it, of course, the shed was dark. Well, I could have been out there with a flashlight, a headlight, one of those things you stick on your head with the light, which I never had a lot of faith in, but I got one from Harbor Freight for free once because it was one of those free gifts for, you know, when you spend money, you get it. And, uh, and I got one of those, and it was uh, it worked all right. But this thing turned it on, lit up the lit up the inside of the shed like it was daylight. Uh, it was out there for I don't know an hour or so. Light never flickered. Never. I guess it runs a couple hours maybe on the rechargeable battery. And of course, it's a twenty volt rechargeable battery. And because I have two of these now, if if I did need to recharge the battery, I could just pop one out of the other one, put it in this. So actually a pretty handy little thing. So if you're thinking about you want something a little bit different uh, as a as a work light, uh, check out the ones from Works, W-O-R-X. And again, it's a different kind. The uh, LED light has five functions. It's a flashlight, it's a lantern, it's a desk lamp, and it has high-low settings. That one it was okay. I really did like the other one, though, which was the, the actual... Uh, uh, multi-function, the, the worksite light. Uh, it's 1,500 lumens of light, which is the equivalent to a 100-watt light bulb. It, uh, it's a substitute for old incandescent trouble light. It burns cooler. And again, it has, you know, you can hook it, you can hang it, you can put it on a tripod, you can do, you know, is it something you want to use all day? I don't think it would last all day. But if it's something you have a job that you're doing, you know, you're up in your attic doing something, you're down in your basement doing something, the power's out, whatever the case is, uh, it will make it a whole lot easier to uh, see what you're doing, and that's important. So works, W-O-R-X, check it out, see what they have. Um, pretty good stuff, so. Ford has come out with a new Ford Escape, and it's uh, hybrid. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of stuff. So uh, we'll talk about that. That's going to and it's going to be shown at the uh, at the auto show. We have some news also about what's going on at the Newport Car Museum. Dennis is laughing for any reason. No, just no, just, just laughing. Just uh, having a good time. Good, having a good time. So is that, you, we got Scott with us now? Yes, we do. Yeah. All right, Scott Gonzo Weaver on the phone with us. Um, 
Gonzo was one of those guys that he, he's he's a rare breed of guy because he found the loose nut behind the wheel. Check. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the auto, in the auto repair industry, uh, uh, that term, I, I, you know, I haven't heard that term in a long time. But uh, people of certain age, when somebody when somebody would come into their shop and go, yeah, you know, the real problem with that car is the loose nut behind the wheel, um, which was the name of your book, right? Yes, yes, that was the name of the book. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, let's let's introduce let's introduce you to the audience again, Scott Gonzo Weaver. You owned a repair shop for many years out in where where were you located? Uh, my shop was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for about thirty five years. And uh, that's a that's a long time to own a shop, and you specialized in in a variety of things, but a, a lot of it was high tech auto repair and electronics, right? Right, right. It, it all started off with uh, doing electrical services work on, uh, you know, 70s and 80s models. And as the industry changed into more computers, I had to change into more computer systems and learn how to do, uh, you know, stuff that I didn't do before and uh, uh, continue the business growing in that fashion. Yeah. So, uh, and and that's it. You know, you you just reminded me of something when you said that I was at a school the other night where I was talking to some kids and some of the instructors. And one of the things that came up was a lot of people in the industry are baby boomers that are going to be getting out of the industry. And I heard something, I heard a number the other day that in the next, I don't know if it was 10 years or so, they're going to lose 70% of the workforce that, um, repairs cars today, 70% of the technicians, and they're going to get replaced with about 20 to 30% of new technicians. So there's going to be, depending on how you look at it, a 40 to 50% loss in people are going to fix your cars. Have you heard that number? Uh, yeah, you know, th those numbers have been popping around for, geez, probably since I started about how it's always been a shortage and all this. Yeah. Um, and I have to agree that, yeah, there is always going to be a shortage of decent tech, uh, just because the amount of cars seem to always kind of increase with those years too. Um, but I also see a difference in the number of techs based on skill level. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's most likely you're going to see a lot of less, uh, do it yourself type, um, small repair shops, uh, I don't know what you want to call those shade treaters. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't want to misinterpret, uh, you know, someone doing home, uh, work on their car versus a shop that doesn't do, uh, high end repairs. Right. Um, uh, the difference is that, uh, some shops are going to have some very skilled young guys that can, uh, you know, handle these, uh, computer systems and algorithms and everything built into the cars today. Versus, uh, you know, a shop that just changes brakes. Mm -hmm. um, the, the shop that changes the brakes is what I'm referring to. I think those are going to be less and less, uh, you know, around the country. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. There's a, there was a, a big one of those uh, private 
vocational schools, uh, Universal Technical Institute, UTI, right near here. And uh, th- about a month ago, they, they opted to say that they're going to close their doors. And, you know, in their heyday, they had probably 1,500 students in that school, and they were just not getting the enrollment. And uh, the, what's, yeah. good, what's good is the school has said to uh, any students that are there that, uh, that have signed up, uh, you know, we'll put you in any one of our other schools and pay your room and board for you. So, you know, if you didn't, you don't want to go to school in Boston, you could, uh, because the school's closing. And if you wanted to go to school in Florida or something, well, you know, go to school in Florida and we'll pay your room and board for you while you're there, which I thought was a pretty, pretty reasonable thing to do. But, uh, but, you know, I was talking to a woman who owns a repair shop and she said to me, yeah, I heard about that school closing. She said, I'm concerned about where I'm going to get my techs these days. And I said, well, I said, you do, that's always been a challenge. And she's owned her shop for 40 years and, and uh-huh. yeah, but she's like, uh, you know, I'm concerned about the future. She said, I don't know how much longer I'm going to run run my business, but she said, I, I'm a little concerned about who's going to who's going to fix the cars that are out there. So yeah, I would be too. Uh, the whole thing comes down to uh, training. Yep. And I think these days um, I'm seeing uh, a bigger trend of training at your place type businesses uh, where let's say a company comes in and to a town and says, Hey, we're going to have a class on, I don't know, uh, variable valve timing. Uh, get you guys here. And, uh, you know, the whole town just kind of gathers around this, this class and uh, that the company may stay in that, that area for, uh, you know, a couple of days, um, and giving classes each night and then move to the next town. And I think that's what the big trend is because now you don't need to have, all that money into the college, but I really think the college outfit with the right teachers, the right facilities and the right, um, equipment in the school is still viable. I still think that's a good way to go. Oh, I I think so too. We have, we also out here have Mass Bay Community College, which is, uh, one of several community colleges that, that offer really good automotive programs and compared to some of the private schools uh, are about a third the price. And if you stay for two years, you end up with an associate's degree, which in these days, probably an associate's degree is similar to a high school diploma when I graduated from school. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but, st- but still the idea that you, at least you have it. And if you want to move that into something else you can do that too um but you you closed your shop down you you kind of decided to uh well you you haven't stopped you close your shop but you haven't stopped working you still you still write no. you still teach uh right, you, right. you still do a lot of things uh but uh you had you had a little bit of a health issue at one point right <laughs> uh well you know that's kind of why the shop's closed yeah yeah um and it's one of those things where you, you just uh, learn that you're not a young pup anymore. You can't go at it as hard as you used to. And when your body says, whoa, time to slow down, you got to listen. And I failed to listen. So I ended up with a... Uh, my my wife is in the severe. studio with me today, and she just gave me... She just shot me the dirtiest look, by the way. She just... <laughs> <laughs> Well, my wife tells me if I if I ever did it again, she'd dig me up and kick me one more time. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I I had a major heart attack um, and severe blockage um, of you know cholesterol and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know everything else. 
ended up with open heart surgery. So that pretty much knocked the stuffing out of even the toughest guy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, it's quite a bit to come back from, uh, you know, they say you do. I think a lot of people that do come back from it a hundred percent are also kidding themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't, uh, you really don't. Um, uh, I, when, when I had mine, I pretty much knew, um, this is not going to yeah. be good trying to come back and do, you know, as much physical work as I did before. Mm-hmm. So, but it is what it is. And, uh, uh, it kind of forced me to say, okay, I've got to, uh, I've got to close the shop. Um, I've got to sell out, do whatever I can. And then, uh, find other means of, uh, making a living. Mm-hmm. And, uh, luckily, you know, I do all the writing for all these different companies. Um, uh, so there was a way for me to, uh, you know, maintain, um, uh, an income. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so, things are, things are still changing. You know, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah. You know, and one of the, and one of the, yeah. Although like most people, I don't follow my own advice in a lot of times, but one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was to talk about that, that, you know, just, um, in fact, I was, uh, this week I was on a, a guy's radio show and we were kind of talking, kind of talking about the same thing. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a time where, um, especially guys of a certain age need to pay a little bit of attention and, oh, yeah. uh, and it's in a lot of cases and, uh, you know, women do a really good job of going to the doctors and guys don't. And, uh, you know, we say, yeah, well, you know, and, well, and I, of course, looking look here. At it this way, John, I, I, I put it this way. My whole life, I've been a guy that fixed things. Right. So I can fix this, too. And I was wrong. You were wrong. You know, you know. It's pretty hard to do and, your own open heart surgery, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, you know, you've got this mindset as as a, a guy that can fix things. That's right. That's you know, right. I can fix. I can fix this too. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, now I'm not saying that you know I'm some medical genius or something like that. It's just that, okay, you know, I'm going to read up on it. You know, just like you would in a car. I'm yep. going to study this problem. I'm going to figure out a uh, way to get through this. And um, no, you're not. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, the thing to do is watch the signs, watch the early notifications you're getting, just like in a car repair. Yep. Don't ignore it. I did. Mm-hmm. So, and that's uh, that's probably the key to the whole thing is that uh, um, you know getting you know, getting into the situation I got into was just basically the bull in a china shop. You know, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to get up before the crack of dawn. I'm going to be down to the shop. I'd be down to the shop until hours and hours and hours until it got dark, mm-hmm. you know, late at night, come home. I'd write my articles for the magazines, uh, you know, then come the weekend. You know, I've got, you know, stuff to do with the kids. I've got a, you know, golf round to do. And, oh, here comes Sunday night. I've got, you know, my chat that I do. Yep. And then I've got, uh, you know, get set up for Monday morning. And uh, as my wife would say, um, the best time to be around uh, dad was uh, Saturday morning because he's not worried about going to work. The worst time to be with him is Sunday evening when he knows he's got to go back to work. Mm. 
and that was just basically stress. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the key thing of all things uh, to, uh, well, you want to get rid of it is all your stress. Um, diet, alcohol, smoking, all that affects all that uh, not as much as stress and your family history. Those two uh, key things are the leading factors of what's going to decide what happens. Um, it's, and those are the things that you can, you know, you can't do anything about your, your family history, but you sure can look at it and say, well, you know what I need to do? I need to, I need to exercise more. I need to change my diet. I shouldn't be smoking. I shouldn't be drinking. Those things you can change based on your family history. That's stress. That's the one you really, really have the control over. And that's the killer. Yeah, you know that you're you're right. You know that is that's one of those things that you do. You can you can say this is going to bother me. This isn't. I I have still not learned to not stress out over the things I can't control. But I think I'm doing a little bit better at it. You know, I, I if I could only control the weather, I'd be so much better at it. But I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but you can you you can you can only do so much. Um, the yeah. uh, your website Gonzo's Toolbox always has a lot of interesting stuff on it. Uh, you're still mm-hmm. you're still out there. You still you still talk to an awful lot of people. Um, what are some of the oh, yeah. what are some of the challenges that people are seeing these days? Well, uh, if we're talking about in the automotive field, obviously, yeah. um, you know, number one training. Um, Number two is getting the information out. Um, I think the biggest thing I've seen as far as, um, I don't know if it's a challenge, it's more of a FYI, and that's the um, way things are changing faster and faster and faster. Um, you know, before, well, let's say, I don't know, uh, 90s and, and uh, the first odd years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you would have a computer system that might be updated Mm, two or three times mm-hmm. a year, um, but not important. You could, you know, you could get by without doing an update. Or um, um, systems were still more or less uh, not so interconnected. Nowadays, uh, with the uh, ADAS systems being put in the cars, um, now we're we're getting uh, issues with. Uh, uh, a, a tire mounter system. This is a perfect one. Okay, tire mounter system was, was something that we just said, oh, it mounters the tires. We're not going to let the tires go low. Well, now with the ADS systems that we've got, uh, the cruise uh, systems that keep you from getting too close to a car in front, mm-hmm. tire mounter systems now are very, very important. Why? Well, why would I want the car to have total control over what's going on in, as me uh, uh, now an occupant, not the driver in the car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I turn on that, that automatic lane change or, you know, a lane control and my tire's low. The car immediately says, you know what? We shouldn't be doing this because I have a feeling your tire is going flat. Mm-hmm. So as, as that uh, tire pressure goes down, it will start to turn off that feature. Now yep. you've got to take back control of the car. So something as simple as tire pressure now is critical in a lot of these systems. So all these interconnections are now getting to the point of, uh, you know, a problem as far as diagnosing. You've got to do a full health check to find out what's going on in the entire car because you may be looking at the cruise control 
but the entire problem is the left rear tires well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's one of the things when I when I and I don't get out into shops as much as I used to, but that's one of the things I still see people tripping over is going back to checking the basics and uh, you know something like that somebody could easily overlook and say, yeah, yeah, it's got a low tire, so what? But you know, but so what? Yeah, yeah, but and and I still see an awful lot of problems with you know dirty dirty ground cables that are causing all kinds of weird issues and you, you, you fix the path of electricity and it's amazing how things sort of work again. Yeah. I mean, we're, we, you're talking bullish drops. Yeah. That's yeah. still, you know, it's still way up there in the, in the problems. The problems today is are, are, are totally different than what they were say 25 years ago or back when I started, you know, 30 some years ago. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, we don't bulbs don't burn out like they used to. Right. Everything's led. Um, you know, headlight systems, uh, we went through that HID phase. Oh my God, I'm glad we have done so many of those now, but with the new LED headlights, you're probably never going to change them. Right. Um, you know, there's, so there's, there's so many components that have been upgraded to a point that they will outlast the life of the car. Um, that means what is the part that wears out? Mm. Well, you know, now we're getting into you know, all the variable valve timing engines. Uh, we've got a lot of issues because we, we uh, you know, created an engine with uh, extreme levels of horsepower through all the ranges of RPM. And the blunt of it is back down to the chain wears and whatnot. Yep. But uh, where where's it come back to? It comes back to the basics. Yep. Oil. Got to change oil. You know, you've got to change oil. You, start, you really got to do that where... You couldn't do that, or you could ignore, let's say, oil changes back in, I don't know, the 80s or whatever, um, you know, because the engines could handle, you know, the dirty passages and things like that. Nowadays, the passages are extremely small, and that oil's got to be just dead solid yeah. perfect. Yeah, what's, uh, so, Toyota's using, what, 018 or 015? Yeah. Right, but, right. But, yeah, I think it's 018 oil, and I'm like, what is that stuff like? But yeah, they have to do it because it's got to the oil's got to go through teeny tiny little passages, and if it doesn't, right. stuff doesn't work. Yeah, and then the other thing to too think about now the variable valve timing is going to be around for a while, and I don't see you're going to see a lot of uh, changes in that. Well, I mean, technology changes, yes, but not in the the motor. Um, I believe that. We're going to see the hybrids overtake everything. Now, there's there's been all kinds of reports that said that, you know, General Motors and Ford they're they're going to do away with the gas and the diesel engines. Yes, they are at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. When I don't know, but I do believe that you will see the the Ford truck, which is already coming out, yep. the the hybrid vehicles, um, and that, that's going to be your gas hybrids. You're going to be your diesel hybrids. So, as a technician. It's time to get in there and study how these hybrid system works. Uh, you know, then you start getting into the transmissions that are hooked up to these hybrids, where you've got the belt-driven uh, mm-hmm. CVT transmission. You've got the Toyota uh, with the the planetary gear set up in it, and they call it what is it? Uh, something um, splitting and uh, too early in the morning yeah. for me to remember yeah. terms, yeah. but. I know we we got you up an hour we got you up an hour early this morning too so yeah you yeah. did <laughs> so, um, but uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it, those those transmission changes um, and the engine changes. I think is what's going to lead the marketplace in the future. And if that's what's going to be led in the marketplace, that is what the technician needs to study the most. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we're, look, we're we're trying what, six speed, ten speed transmissions yep. and all this business, and uh, you know, different varied sizes uh, of diesel engines, you know, from little bitty six cylinder ones to all up to massive size ones. Yep. Uh, every, all this is changing, but I think it's it's just uh, you know it's a it's a band aid on a broken arm. Mm. Um, I just don't yeah. think it's going to do anything. Yeah. No, uh, I I, really I, I I said to somebody once that this is the golden age of the automobile. And they said, well, no, no, they go, no. And I said, think about it. I said, you can go out and buy a car that's a, that runs on gasoline. It can be a hybrid. It can be a plug-in hybrid. It can be an electric car. It can have a CVT transmission. It can have a DSG transmission. It might even have a manual transmission. I said, there's never been so many choices in Uh what makes your car go these days than there there ever has been. And you look at the luxury cars like Jaguar and Land Rover, you can buy a, you can buy a Jaguar sedan that's got a diesel engine. You can buy a Land Rover sure. that's a plug-in hybrid. You can. There's all, all right. kinds of choices that that 25 years ago you got an engine and maybe you had a you could get a six or an eight or a four or whatever the case is. But now now there's a lot of choices and and it's not that you know the the Toyota Rav4 with the hybrid in it is the most powerful engine you can get in a Rav4. So, you know, people mm-hmm. think hybrids are, are all about fuel economy. They are, but hybrids can be all about performance, and which is why, oh, I uh, guess, the, Ferrari and Porsche and everybody else has a, has a hybrid of some sort. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the size of the motor versus the torque that you put out is just amazing, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. If, you know, if you took the, uh, the Gen 1 and Gen 2 motor out of a, uh, a Toyota Prius and set them on a table, it, you know, they're – they're decided that the basic rotor, you know, it's the size of a smaller than a dinner plate. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what, that is what makes the car move. It's that little bitty rotor. Um, and of course all the windings. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the thing that, the thing that marvels me with the hybrids more than anything else is the fact that, uh, um, the amount of energy or amount of torque, uh, we can get out of these small little motors and how long would it take before we can get that motor bigger and run a big semi yeah oh, with yeah. the same kind of technology yeah. so and it's coming i mean no. it's not that it's not oh they're doing it you yeah know? no we we so. had we had somebody on the program a month or so ago that uh, was the uh, is the CEO of a new pickup truck company that the truck doesn't actually exist yet, but the platform does, and it's going to be it's going to be all electric, and it's going to have a 350 mile range, and it and the the development motor they're using for it I think is about 650 foot pounds of torque. And it'll it'll run 350 miles between charges, and it's going to be a and he, and he said he said the the idea behind it is it's going to be a, a platform, so it can be a pickup truck, it can be a utility body, it can be a, a sure. cargo van, and it's gonna you know if you need to if you need to tow a gooseneck trailer with horses in the back of it, it can do that all day long. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it is, it is pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, the technology is interesting, but then on the other hand, you know, part of me is still pretty happy that, you know, companies like Chrysler still make 700 horsepower V8s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think you get it. That's, that's that, uh, that American testosterone, yeah. uh, you know, deal that, yeah, we're, race cars and, and uh, drag strips are still going to be out there. And, yeah, we'll find something to burn and, and peel a rubber off, and we're still going to be doing that. That's just – that's us. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, and you got the, you got the you got the whole TV show named after your state out there. So, you know, the, the – uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, the drag thing. Uh, yeah, 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 I don't watch too much yeah. TV. So, <laughs> yeah, but the but, uh, but the Street Outlaws show because uh, that is isn't that Oklahoma? I think so. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the fastest guys in the world apparently are from Oklahoma, according to them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. So so what's so what's the future for Scott Gonzo Weaver? What are you what are you going to be doing? Ooh. Well, um, that's a pickle. That's a real pickle. My wife and I have had some discussions about that for quite some time. And uh, we have a beautiful home on a couple acres out here in Oklahoma. We've got a big pond. I think I sent you a photo of that. Yep. Um, and it's a real nice place. But uh, uh, it comes down to uh, age. At my age now, after open heart surgery uh, and all that, um, what to do. So we have decided to sell everything, buy a motorhome, and travel the U.S. for the next couple of years, stop in every state, and um, you know just enjoy ourselves for a while. Um, but I'm still going to write, and yep. we're going to add a little bit of uh, uh, something to this. And, okay, this will be the first time I'm really kind of announcing it. That is, once we get on the road, I am going to make it a habit of stopping in at repair shops all over the country, yep. introducing myself, and if I need a case study for a magazine article, guess what? Uh, it might be yours. <laughs> and if if uh, um, if I have a chance to uh, give a class on some of the leading uh, systems that they're not too sure of, I sure can put a class together right then and uh, you know run it right out of your shop in the whole nine yards. And hopefully get enough of a following that uh, it'll be a lead into the next state, next town. And I'm not going to pick uh, the major cities so much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to stay more out in the rural areas um, where a lot of the technology, where I should say a lot of the uh, uh, larger companies that are doing classes can't reach because it's not viable to them. Well, you know, I don't have to worry about a, plane fare in a hotel room. I'm mm -hmm. bringing my house with me. So that's kind of the big plan uh, right now. And so, you know, somewhere down the roads, I might even stop at your doorstep, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, years, years ago, and um, I had a little different job. My day job is I work for the AAA. And years ago, I had a little bit uh, different job at AAA. And we used to actually do this little uh, and it was nighttime seminars, and I would hire, yeah. I would hire, you know, one of the tech trainers from Toyota, or one of the tech trainers at the time. GM had a had a, a school in just outside of Boston, and I would I would talk to them and say, hey, can you can you freelance? Can you? And they'd come up for you know three hours, you know, from seven to ten or something, and you know we'd pay them 
a hundred bucks an hour. This was twenty years ago, and we'd charge everybody right. in the class twenty five dollars. It would include pizza and soda, and yep. and uh, yep. and they would and there was nobody who could do. Ch- training cheaper than us because we weren't in it you know we were just in it to try to provide training and uh, it turned into almost like a training club um and mm-hmm. so we would we would try to have and and i gotta be honest you know we we had some we had some really good ones and we had we had a couple of duds along the way but you know um but it, but but it always worked out it always worked out good and um and i know from out this way uh there was also a guy craig van battenberg that does know, yeah, yeah yeah who who he's kind of doing the same thing he's he's taking his yeah. motorhome and his trailer around around the country and yep. and doing yep. some training and um and um he's uh, and for those fact, that don't know you know excuse me but go ahead. For those that don't know craig van battenberg is probably the guy on hybrids. Right. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've known from hybrids is attending some of his classes. Yeah. So. No, he's, he's been, he's been around for a while. He had, yeah, I, I knew him when he had his, uh, uh, kind of specialized in Honda and Acura cars as his own repair shop. He, uh, uh-huh. he closed it and just opened up a school. Then he, uh, he decided he's going to take it on the road. And from what I understand, he's even, he's even taken a school to Europe a couple of times. I've heard that myself. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And he started right from the beginning. He, I think he bought a Honda insight when they first came out and said, I want to see what makes it, what makes it work. And, and just started yeah. kind of started yeah. out on his own and, um, and just did it. So, you know, there, there certainly is a need. It sounds like, it sounds like for somebody like, like you who kind of wants to go see the country. And, you know, if you're in, if you're in the Boston area on a Saturday morning, uh, uh, you know, you never know. You, we, we might be able to get you in the yeah, studio. Yeah, right. Yeah. right, right. Uh, I'll buy yeah, the. I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it. Uh, and uh, from the response I've been getting uh, locally here, and and from off the Facebook and what internet sources, everybody's saying, "Yeah, come on, Gonzo, bring you know, bring your classes, man. You know, you betcha. We want we want to yep. do this. Yeah. No. So uh, it's encouraging to know that. So no, the best I've I've always found the best shops are the ones that. Um, treat training like they treat a new tool that comes in. It's just it's one. If the the more you learn, the more you're able to solve problems. And if you're able to, you know, if part of it is solving a problem with Identifix or a new scanner, or I went to a class last mm-hmm. night and I learned something new. That's all. That's 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 all. What it all makes the customer happy because you get the cards fixed. Right. Yeah. And not every class that uh, I've been to. Was it, you know, twenty four seven on learning something new every second yep. of the class? No, I may have sat through the whole class, but yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I was. Oh, I didn't know that, and that's the key to the classes: is you pick up one thing, yep, and maybe two things, and that's that's really what you're after. That's the money in in it, and that's what you take back to your shop and say, "Hey, look, guys, here's how we do, uh, you know, voltage drop test." Now we've been doing it kind of a stupid way. This is a better way. Hmm. And it just whatever it is. I mean, yep. there's always something different. Yep. Uh, in fact, I've been to some of these classes where I've done some hands-ons with the students in the classroom. I call them students. I'm mechanics. And they've showed me something I didn't know. And yes. <laughs> talk, to, just talk, like, to, uh, talk to any school teacher. They'll tell you there's no better way to learn something than to teach it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly so true. It, just, yeah. it makes me think of all kinds of situations I've been over the years. Yeah, yep, yeah, so nope. true. 
No, and uh, and my uh, my third grade teacher said to me, "Learn three new things every day." And you know, if you mm-hmm. can, and if you can learn a couple new things every day, it's mm-hmm. not it's not so bad. So, uh, and the yeah. same thing yeah. if you're if you're in a repair shop, you're in an office, you're a plumber, you're an electrician. Whatever the case is, if you can if you can learn a couple new things, and you know some of those things might be you know how to how to you know talk to a talk to a customer sometimes, but it doesn't have right. to be actually fixing the car. Sometimes going back to you know kind of how we started. Sometimes you got to fix the customer. Yeah, but some, you know if, if I had to give somebody three golden rules of being a mechanic in today's fashion, number one is pay attention to your health. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, don't undercharge what you do. It, you know, I, a lot of guys, they look at some jobs and they say, well, that's just simple. Yeah, it's simple to you, not to the customer. Right. And the best correlation you can make to that is if I had 30 minutes, 30 minutes to mow the lawn or 30 minutes to do brain surgery, do you pay them the same way? Your 30 minutes is worth something. Mm-hmm. Don't undersell yourself. You know, that's, that's rule number two. And number three, get the training, get the training, get the training. Yep. No, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if people want to read more about you, Gonzo's Toolbox is a good place to start, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I try to put out some news stories uh, um, as I go. Right now, you can also find me at uh, uh, Still Writing. Um, I'm on contract with Motor Age, so you'll mm-hmm. see a lot of my articles, uh, technical stuff. Um, we haven't, uh, gotten into doing any of the funny stuff with motor aids just yet, but you can find articles there each month. Uh, then P10, P as in Paul yep. and T E N P10 magazine, which is professional tools and equipment, uh, yep. network. Mm-hmm. Um, the P10 magazine, I'm in that one. Um, and then, uh, well, of course the Haynes manuals, I'm still writing the Haynes manuals have for years. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, they, these guys keep me busy um, with new articles and new scheduling and whatnot. And uh, there's no doubt you'll find me at a lot of the conventions off and on. Yeah. So I'll be uh, dotting the country going to these conventions a lot. Uh, well, I just came back from Florida on one myself. Yeah. Well, you're gonna you're gonna have to uh, you know you're gonna have to learn learn so much more about social media so we can uh, so we can follow you on uh, all of your adventures in the motorhome. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's coming up. I mean, I'm uh, I've got to get all that stuff set up again. Yeah, um, I started to, and then you know, you get sidetracked. Oh, it's it. it's it's um, e- it's easy to do. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's got to get back into the form and and uh, start you know putting some weekly um, blogs out, whatnot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll probably do a whole lot more case studies once I get this thing rolling. Yeah. Um, the big holdup now is well, we gotta, you know, got to sell a house, so. And uh, uh, hopefully that's will won't take too long, and uh, you know we'll be on the road. There you go. Hey, I want to wish you the best of luck, and uh, stay in touch, and and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, John. I enjoyed right. the time. All right, take care. Bye bye. That was Scott Gonzo Weaver. He is. Uh, you can check out his uh, blog, which is uh, Gonzo's Toolbox dot com. Uh, you can still buy his book. Uh, if you and of course on his on his blog he has a lot of things about some stories some of the things that he has he also has uh, he also has some jokes on there you can and we might even uh, who knows we might even uh, steal one of his trivia questions for today his book his book is hey look I found the loose nut 
And uh, Loose Change, which is uh, a book that I believe uh, his wife did about quilting. She has a, if you want to buy his house in Oklahoma, big studio that his wife does quilting that he built. So don't want to move to Oklahoma, honey? No? Okay. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Phone lines are wide open. We'll be right back. Nothing can catch her, nothing can touch my phone Back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauty And welcome back. I wasn't quite ready. Well, you started talking. I know, but I still wasn't ready. <laughs> hey, I want to thank the good folks over at the Mandarin Oriental in Boston yesterday. Uh, we had the AAA Four and Five Diamond Awards there. And uh, Philip, who's the general manager over there, very nice guy. Uh, he has spent his life around the world. He was in Singapore and China and Japan. And as he's, he's uh, originally from Germany, I believe. But he's been he's been all over the place. He came wanted to transfer to Boston because his, uh, he has kids that are like, I don't know, 3, 5, and 12 or something, and he thought that uh, the education system here would be better and his life would be better in Boston, so he wanted to move out here. But um, they did a great job. They were our host uh, uh, for our Four and Five Diamond Awards. The Five Diamond Awards had a little private reception up in the presidential suite. I didn't go to that. Um, but the uh, Four Diamond Awards, it was a, it was a great launch yesterday halibut and a delicious kind of cheesecake dessert and uh, and also one of my co-workers had a little bit of a health issue and they took care of her they put her in a room let her lay down for a little while get comfortable um unfortunately she missed a fabulous meal in the awards uh but she at least she, she could rest kind of comfortably till she felt better but uh thanks to philip and the staff over there and also dog friendly by the way um, at the Mandarin Oriental. They have two house dogs. I think they're golden retrievers. Uh, but they just go to kind of hang out in the lobby. And and when people see kind of like nice old dogs, everybody falls in love. They walk around and they're like, <gasps> and, you know, even to the point where can I, somebody came over to me because the dog was sitting at my feet and they said, oh, can I pat your dog? And I'm like, oh, it's not mine, but sure. I said, he's just sitting there having a good time, I guess. Uh, and also they have a robot. Oh, is that the thing you posted? Yeah, the little thing yeah. that came around the corner. Yeah, yeah. They have they have a they have this little robot thing that apparently if you order something from the gift shop or something, it will come up to your room and it will uh, room service. Maybe I don't. It didn't look. It wasn't that big, so oh, put a tray on top of it. Yeah, you could. <laughs> but it was. Uh, but it, it the guy who was setting it up was there, and I said to him, "What's that thing do?" And he says, "Uh." What's your name? I told him, and he said, I'll show you in a minute. He said, stand right there. In a couple minutes, it zipped over. It said, I have a delivery for you. The top opened up, and it said, hello, John. Uh. <laughs> but it was kind of neat. So uh, so if you want to go see the robot, go into the Mandarin Oriental lobby. It's sitting in the lobby. Say hi to it. It seems better than the Stop and Shop robot, by the way. That's big and scary. Yeah, that one's a little freaky. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk to, uh, I think it's uh, Kevin. Good morning. Kevin? Hello? Hello? Kevin? Hello? 
I hear you in the background there. Be there. Yes. Hello, yes. Kevin. I'm here. Oh, there you are. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah, I have a problem. My Ford F-350, uh, back in January, I had a problem with it. Uh, uh, sometimes it just wouldn't start. Okay. Since, uh, it was during a snowstorm and uh, just wouldn't start. By wouldn't start, I, uh, wouldn't start. Crank, 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 wouldn't start, or or no you, turn the key, you get like nothing. The, I know you like us to do the sound effects. It's, uh, it's just that it, it sounds like it's... Um, like it wants to turn over, is if something's wrong with the battery, but it's not the battery. And it just, you know, it, it starts to turn over. It wants to, but it just won't. It's like there's something missing between the ignition and the PCM computer. And But anyway, it did start. After an hour, finally, I put some starter fluid in it, which I know is not good, but mm -hmm. it finally did start that time. And I didn't have a problem anymore for another two weeks, and then it happened again. Mm-hmm. And it's been happening intermittently ever since then. I've had a, a, a fuel pump put in with the module, mm -hmm. and it happened again. And they told me, they said, look, I think that it's the PCM probably needs to be reprogrammed or whatever. And so I brought it to the Ford dealer, and they reprogrammed that. And uh, then it happened again the other day. So I brought it back to the dealer, and they're working on it as we speak. And they're checking. They're actually going to check the fuel pump again and mm -hmm. see if there's some connection between that and the module. It, it's just I've never had a problem like this before. It, I, I've always been able to just get in and start it up, and it's you know it's kind of nerve-wracking to be, stra be stranded someplace. Uh, the other day, I was actually able to get home. I wasn't too far from home. I was in Medford, but I went back to get the truck because I thought for sure I'd have to have it towed to the dealer, but it started up. You know, I went back the next morning and it did start up and I was able to drive it over to York Ford. Yeah. Um, does this happen never, to, Does this happen to have dual fuel tanks? No, no. no it, okay. It's got the flex fuel thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's, um, yeah, it's an F-350 uh, extended cab. Uh, it's, it's gas, not diesel. And um, 2011, but you know it does have. Um, it's got 230,000 miles on it. But I have to tell you, it is. It's always been well taken care of. Um, in your last segment, you had a gentleman who was talking about the importance of changing your oil and filter. Mm -hmm. I've always done that. I've kept up on all of my fluids, and I really I've tried to maintain it the best I could. But like I said, especially the gas and the fuel and um, Sorry, the oil in the filter. Um, and when you're, it's funny when you when it's running and you're standing next to it, you can hardly hear it. It's it's just it's very quiet. People have remarked that they didn't even know it was running. Mm. So I mean, it's it's in good shape. It's not even though it's got high mileage. You know, it's not a junk box. It's a nice looking truck, and I try to keep it nice. Yeah. I, no. I would. I I don't want to get rid of it. I'm just so frustrated though yeah. because I don't want to. I don't want to get stuck someplace. That's just my my worst fear. Now, when when it um, when it didn't start, you said it started with starter spray. You sprayed starter spray in it and it fired up. Yeah, that was the first time. That yeah. was in January, and mm -hmm. I was just I was desperate. Triple A came and they couldn't do anything. Yeah. They thought, well, maybe the fuel line is frozen because it was it was the um, it was actually that the first snowstorm we had in January, right? 
for Martin Luther King's holiday. Mm-hmm. That was, I don't know if you remember that weekend. And and I plow, so here I am in uh, Northgate Revere and mm-hmm. in the middle of the back lot with my plow. So even if I had to have this thing told, they're not going to tow with a plow. And so I'm desperate, I'm praying, and finally it started up after about an hour. And I got home, and I you'll find this funny. I left it running all night because I didn't want to take a chance. I didn't know what was going on. So the next morning I went up and did my snow removal. But yep. after that, I didn't have any problems for another two weeks. And then the second episode, I just squirted it with some starter fluid. It, it did it once, and then I was able to start it. But the third time, the starter fluid didn't do anything. It, uh, which I know I'm not really supposed to be using. It's not a great thing, but I don't think it had anything to do with that. I guess yeah. maybe I was just it was just luck. No, I I think what they're going to find is you have a bad electrical connection under the hood somewhere where where um you know any you know big cluster of wires I think mm-hmm. you're going to find that under there somewhere there's there's a wire that's got a corroded pin, a bad connection yeah. and what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to you know shake and wiggle and yank on and pull every wire that they can see that that I think where you said, um, you know, where the shop put a fuel pump in it, uh, that, uh, you know, that wasn't a, a bad possibility, especially where you, you kind of gave them a little clue that it started with some starter spray. Um, uh, the the idea that the, the powertrain control module, the PCM, might need reprogramming, that's always a possibility. Um, but the idea they're looking at it, but I think what they're really going to find is Somewhere under there, they're going to find a bad connection, and yes. it's it's going to be intermittent, and it's going to be one of those things they're going to have to just test it, and they're going to have to shake and wiggle and look for funny readings. Where, has there ever been any computer codes when it quits working? Well, that I, uh, I was just going to say, when you mentioned the fuel puppet, what happened was those were the codes that came up. Okay. When um, I first had it diagnosed, the code came up that, it was um, a problem with the module okay. in the fuel pump. That was the code. That's yep. why they initially changed that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, what was really weird, um, also, a couple of times it stalled. It actually, um, after this, it stalled in traffic. Okay. It, it just, and so my son and I got out, we were pushing it over to the side of the road, and, and all of a sudden something told me, just try to start it and start it up. Yep. It was weird. That was the second time it had stalled, but, uh, after that, I brought it right to the shop, and they had all kinds of codes. All kinds of weird codes came up. Okay, and they cleared the codes, and one of the, And then after that, the reason they worked on the PCM is because that code came up. So mm-hmm. these are all codes that are happening when it's diagnosed. And the shop that did the the, um, the gas filter in the module said, you know, we are not equipped to reprogram the computer. You have to bring it to Ford. And, and, you know, they've been good over there. The customer service has been great, and um, they're really helpful. I I, I don't have any complaints Mm -hmm. about about the service, but I'm just really frustrated. And I did hear your last segment with the gentleman, um, the one who's selling the house in Oklahoma there. (laughs) He he talked about the, and it sparked something in my mind, he talked about dirty wires, and people don't think that your wires are all dirty, you just... 
you, you don't think about it. And I thought, gee, I wonder if that might have anything to do with yeah. me. Yeah, it, it very well could. And that's and especially where there was a whole bunch of codes that showed up, that's usually yeah, that that's yeah, that's usually an indication there's a bad connection somewhere because you know, you can have one component that's bad, two components that maybe are bad. You don't you don't generate a whole bunch of codes unless there's a bad electrical connection somewhere. So Yeah, you know, you know that's like something he would so so in other words well, and, and of course, the problem is, you might expect, it never does it when it's at the mechanics. They're always so. able to start it. it, it and um, I thought, sure, the other day, when it wouldn't start, I thought, well, it, it was just weird, because I actually had the manager at Auto, AutoZone, where I, I work, um, he went out and started at like 7 in the morning, he said, mm-hmm. it won't start. So by the time I got there at noontime, it started. But it, it won't it won't do that for the mechanics, uh but the only thing I wanted to ask also was, you know, what what are the components? I mean, you, you go from the ignition. I, I asked the mechanic this. You go from turning the key, and that sends a signal to the PCM to tell everything else to start. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, basically, basically that's how it works. But it also has to see. It has to see the crankshaft turn. It has to see the camshaft turn. It has to see the fuel pump fire up. There's a whole bunch of things that have to happen before you know. It, you know it. If it was a lawnmower engine, you would need you would need gasoline, you'd need spark, and you need compression. On a big V8, you need gasoline, spark, and compression. It's just they all happen different. You know, the the gas goes through injectors. The injectors aren't going to fire unless they see the right signal. Uh, that signal is going to come from the cam the cam sensor and crank sensor, uh, as well as a, you know it's going to look at it's going to look at engine temperature it's going to look at a variety of things so there's always a there's always a ton of things that it can look at that can that can uh determine what goes wrong but you know so some of it you got to do by symptom but at at one point you know i would say that you know what you really have to think about is okay we got to look at what is what is really what is really the problem here and um, let's look, let's go back and look at those codes. And I think where it's at the dealership now, that's probably as good a place as any to, to find out why you have this intermittent no-star problem. These are not your grandfather's vehicles, are they? Uh, oh no, God. no, no. He told me about the PCM and he told me everything. And the, um, service guy even said that sometimes the codes, they, they go obsolete because of all the technology out there. I don't know how we explained it. There's actually... You know, your your PCM computer can actually be outdated as far as information, and that's why it needs to be Because I asked him, well, why does it need to be reprogrammed? And and the way he was talking about it, it seems so sophisticated. Well, I, I mean, there there is there certainly is some of that that you can have you can have a problem with. Um, that can be actually fixed with a with a computer. You know, there, there, it happens all the time that people reprogram computers to fix problems. So, um, and because you know, as things change, it will. The you know, the code itself, I won't say goes out of date, but the information in the computer can sometimes need to be reprogrammed. So, yeah. Um, you know, could it be a bad uh, throttle position sensor? Yeah, it could be. Could it be? There's a there's a whole there's a whole bunch of different things that the potential is there. Uh, but but again, that clue that there was a whole bunch of codes that tells. Yeah, that was that, a while ago. That yeah. but that wasn't. That was when. That was when the um, after they put the fuel pump and module in, and then it stalled all again. 
and that's that that was a local mechanic I brought it to and he said there were all kinds of codes and he just cleared the codes to try mm-hmm. to see if he could figure but he wasn't really getting anywhere and at that point I brought it to York. But I will tell you also, I before I forget, um York assured me that the mechanic he seems to be a really knowledgeable young man who, who and um seems to know stuff. He said the computer himself is, is not bad. It's he said I don't need a new computer. Well. He did say that. Yeah, well, that's good. Fine. But I just, I'm so frustrated. And before I forget, because I tend to forget things, uh, if this doesn't, is there somebody else, if I have to go somewhere else, can you recommend, because I'm just, you know, I I really would like to keep the truck. And um, along with that, do you think it's unrealistic, the fact that I have uh, high mileage on it, that, because I know nowadays nobody keeps a truck over seventy or a vehicle over seventy or eighty thousand miles. But I mean, these things are so expensive. I don't want to get a new truck. Well, I don't, well, to. It, I don't want to you, buy a used you, one. I don't you, know what I'm getting. You say that around here that you know we see vehicles go you know seventy a hundred thousand miles. Um, you know, I spent a couple of weeks in Florida this winter, and everything down there has two hundred thousand miles on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the way it should be. It's just, yeah. Like I said, the truck is in, in great shape. I'm, I'm even considering because I don't want to, you know, because you know, like I said, it's at York Ford, and I'm looking at all, you know, sixty and $70,000, yeah. and you've got $600 payments, and then in Massachusetts, your sales tax. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I, yep. it, it's obscene. You could buy a cottage somewhere yeah. in New Hampshire yeah. for that, and yeah. I don't want that. I want to hold on to. Is it unrealistic to to think that? No, I can- no. Keep keep trying to fix it. I would. What I would. Okay. Two things I would do. I would first start with you know, like we were talking to Gonzo about. Start with the basics. Uh, check the battery cables from start to end, uh, especially where the negative cable runs under the frame and there's a frame connection down there. There's a ground. And also the battery cable where it it runs across. I think it runs across the back of the firewall to the starter relay. Uh, look for bad connections there. That will cause, that sometimes will cause a problem. The other thing, the other thing that I would look for besides any other electrical connections is have them play around with the cranks, crankshaft sensors, sensor a little bit. They can try heating it. They can try cooling it. They can try playing with it a little bit just to see if that is, you know, when I hear intermittent no-start problem, crankshaft sensor is one of the things I always think about first. So I would look, I would look in those directions and, and see what you come up with. But I think the dealer is a the dealer is a good place to start at least uh, to get to get get an idea. I mean, they should they should know your truck better than anybody else knows your truck. Yeah, well, I had I've always had the truck service from you know a, a mechanic. I have I've never had any problems in in, in the uh, six years that I've had it. I've just done my regular maintenance. I've done ball joints and stuff like that. I've never ever had an electrical problem. Never had a problem, cold, summer, doesn't matter, um, not being able to get in. That's what really bothers me, just the uncertainty yep. of getting no. into a vehicle, well. not being But I, I just want to, because I know you have other calls, I want to... I'm writing this down, the wire to the batteries. The yeah, check, yeah, yeah check, check all the electrical connections, positive and negative, right from the battery to wherever they're going to go. The big fat wires that you look at when you go to jumpstart the car, you want to make sure... All the way from one end to the other is a good solid connection. Look at the okay. crank. Look at the crankshaft sensor. Yes. Look at the throttle position sensor. Throttle. Uh, yeah, and I think That's those okay. those those are probably a couple of good places to start. 
Yeah, I know he's going to really go through it. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, I just want a, a, a resolution. You know, I don't care how long it takes. I just, I just want to be able to, yep. um, you know, enjoy the truck. Yeah, uh, no, uh, makes but, sense. But one more question. Sure. Also, um, yep. do you have any, if, if in fact, um, I needed to look at some other options, do you know anybody who could really, who really has an expertise? Well, have you ever heard of this problem before, by the way? Well, intermittent no-star problems, you hear of them all the time. Um, there are, those, are the worst to, to, yeah. to, those are the worst to try yeah. to pinpoint, aren't yeah. they? Oh, yeah, they absolutely are. But, you know, the Ford dealer should be able to have a really good handle on it. Yeah, there are some independent shops that are, that are, really, oh. that are really good. Uh, that you could you could try. Uh, even our friends over at Sullivan Tire actually have two or three people now in mobile vans that go out to their various stores, and they have every factory scan tool uh, made so they can do all of the factory stuff just like the dealerships can. So you know, there's there's even there's even that for a possibility. So again, a lot of good you know a lot of independent shop owners, although they work on all kinds of vehicles do tend to specialize in something because they may have come from a Chevy dealer. They may have come from a Ford dealer. So they have that, yes. they, they have that sort of, um, you know, history with it. So, you know, but I, you know, it's at the dealer now, let them, let them take a look and see what they come up with. So in, in closing, you would say really try to don't get frustrated and get, yeah, rid don't of get, truck, don't right? get frustrated. Don't get rid of it. Uh, you know, it's a it's a big heavy duty truck. Like you said, you you plow with it, you work with it. Um, yeah. You know, keep using it. Okay, Kevin. Well, I love your show. All I right, love your show, and and thank you for your um for being on the air, and and um you do a great job, yeah. and I I appreciate listening All right. to you. All right, take care of yourself, Kevin, and let thank us know you how so you make much. out. Yep. Bye bye. I'll call back. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's talk to uh, Rick in Boston. Rick, is that you? Yep, that's me. Oh, just checking. Okay. Okay, just give my annual uh, watch out for motorcycles. If it hadn't been raining at my house, I would have been on my bike already today. Uh, well, it, it's uh, it's interesting that I saw I saw a guy on a, a on a little motorcycle yesterday. And he had the weirdest contraption. It was sort of a, I don't know what to call it. It was sort of a, a, a vinyl poncho thing, but it actually attached to the front of the bike and kind of came up around him. And I don't know if it attached to his shoulders or something. And I guess it kept him dry. It was a weird looking oh, thing. Good. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. You, you can buy you know, windshields and stuff like that. And um, I, I don't just mean just the front, what's in front of your face, but actually it goes down the side of your bike and that that can either uh, direct in the middle of summer mm. wind to your legs or, you know, in the winter direct the wind away from your legs yep. and that uh, to help you be more comfortable on yep. the road and that. Yeah, this, so, thing, yeah. this thing looked like a tent. And I and when he was stopped at the light, it stopped raining. So he sort of unfolded it and squished it down between the gas tank or something. I don't know. It was just the weirdest thing I ever saw. So, well, but you're right. It is uh, look twice, save a life. Isn't that the sign? Yep. And that you know, I've been on, I've been on it for a few weeks, and that I've just been either just forgetting or, or something else coming up. And yep. That, Given the, the no, no, for 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 out. for motorcyclists and uh, I suppose bicyclists alike. I uh, be careful when you're out there. 
Oh yeah, year round. But then now the you know more of them go, more of us are going to be out there. Oh yeah, yep. So uh, uh, so uh, you know when you see a motorcycle, leave plenty of distance between you and them. Uh, most motorcyclists do a really good job. There's a few knuckleheads out there. I, even you have to agree, right? No, there, there's not no. A, and none, of, none of us bikers are stupid and crazy. Okay, all right, but okay, okay. It must be it must be just the one I saw that one time. Doing the okay, wheelie, yep. doing the wheelie down one twenty eight. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, John. We'll keep an Bye-bye. eye out. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. I bet we need to take another break, don't we? I thought we did. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM nine fifty WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Remember, you can find uh, other programs at uh, johnfpaul.podbean. Dot com or iTunes or Stitcher or those places too. We'll be right And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. You know, I, I've always, you know, I have to stop saying. And should I stop saying and at the beginning? Say whatever yeah, you feel like saying. Uh, you start thinking about it, it doesn't seem it's, natural. It's too late to change now. been doing this for, well, almost my Salem Radio anniversary is coming up in a month. It'll be like 12 years here. Wow. Maybe even longer. And I, I did, know. and I've been with you for at least half of them. Half in, of it, yeah. Two yeah, different yeah, yeah. stages, but. Yeah. We broke up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk to Mary in Braintree. Mary, hi, good Paul. morning. Hi. How are you? Hi, John. Hi, John Paul. Yeah, I, I thought. Okay. Mary, can you turn down uh, your radio? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's better. There we go. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is my first time, and well, thank uh, you. I, ca- I called I called Bobby and the div- the other ones, but I never called John Paul. But I I I just have a question. I don't know if it's, you call it a question or not, but I have uh, my car is four five hundred. Yeah, it's five hundred. Yeah, four five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, uh, let me see. The mileage is fifty-three, no, fifty-four thousand. Okay. And it's—I uh, want to say it's like I bought in two thousand and six, so it's—it's it's like probably twelve years old, maybe. Maybe even thirteen years old. Yeah, maybe even thirteen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, I keep bringing it up to Herb Chambers, and you know, they take care of it. Yeah. Uh, they're close to home and everything, so that works out all right. But lately, it seems like it's running a little bit rough, or I don't know how you explain it. And I don't know. I, I, my son said, Mom, why don't you buy a new car? Well, I'm getting to the stage now that I don't know how long more I'm going to be driving. And <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe, maybe he wants to inherit your new car when you stop driving. That's a possibility. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I just like to 
you know, I'm just wondering. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's it's 13 years old, but it only has you know, you're you're only driving it about 4,000 miles a year, so you're not yeah. driving you're not driving it a whole heck of a lot. Um, right. The Ford 500 was. Um, that was a that was what they called the Ford Taurus in between changing its names a couple of times. They tried to get a little yeah. more contemporary. It wasn't it was reliability wise, it was probably middle of the road. It wasn't the most reliable, it wasn't the worst car on the road. Um, but anything any car that's 13, 14, 15 years old is is starting to get you know starting to get some time on it. Does it have life left in it? Sure, it does. Um, yeah. But but you know you could you, you know bring it to the either to Herb Chambers if that's convenient for you or someplace where they can. What I would do at this point is ask them to do kind of an overall evaluation of the car. Tell me what okay. shape the car is in, and okay. if it's going to take. $2,000 to get the car kind of back to being 100%. Well, that's not a, even though $2,000 is a lot of money, that's not a lot of money to get another three or four years out of the car. Uh, and that's probably all I would need right, at my right. age, you know. If, if you were going to go out and buy a, even a, a lightly used used car, you're going to spend $15,000. Yeah. So, so I would bring yeah. it, I would bring it to them and say, um, I don't know how much longer I'm going to drive, but I want a car that's going to be dependable. I want a car that's going to run well. Can you look it over? Tell me what's wrong with it. Tell me what I need to take care of that's going to keep it fairly dependable for the next couple of years, and then make your decision after that. Sounds like a good plan. Okay. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care, Mary. And yeah. and, and remember, Paul Sullivan's coming up next, so make sure you listen oh, to him, yeah. okay? I, I, I have it on all day. All right, thank you, Mary. Thank you. Yep, bye-bye. I want to talk about the car that got me around last week, something brand new I've never driven before, and that's the all-new Honda Passport. It slots in between the smaller CRV and the larger Pilot. Passport seats five. It's powered by a 3.5-liter V6 engine. There are four trim levels with all but the top model available in front-wheel drive. Our road test was in the the top-of-the-line Elite version. With all-wheel drive, like all versions of the Pilot uses a 9-speed automatic transmission, our Elite version also had a full suite of safety equipment such as lane departure warning, uh, correction, collision warning, and automatic emergency braking. Passport rides well and handles even better. There's a bit more ground clearance in the bigger Pilot, but the handling is a bit more responsive. Performance from the 280-horsepower V6 engine is strong and should be able to easily conquer off-road travel for those drivers looking for a tow vehicle. The Passport has a 5,000-pound towing capacity. The Honda transmission shifts smoothly and confidently. The Passport, with its steeper approach and departure angles and increased ground clearance, uh, makes the Passport uh, probably the most capable off-road vehicle from Honda to date. For those drivers looking for more control, there's manual paddle shift, although I don't see the need, and leaving it drive work just fine for me. Um, what is weird is it has an odd shifter. It has kind of this weird push-button arrangement. Um, you know, even after driving the car for a week, it took a little while to get used to it, and it was fine until I got into my own car, which has a regular shifter. Then I went back and, you know, moving my hand across in a marriage. Be consistent, people. A knob or a button, be the same. Don't change them. Uh, brakes work great. The automatic uh, emergency braking was a little bit overly sensitive. It even came on once. There was a, a, a line in a, like a, a crosswalk marking line, and it wanted to slow the car down for that. 
I wasn't ready to slow down. There was no need for it. Seating's comfortable, supportive, roomy. The instrument panel and most controls are simple. Honda added a volume control knob to the infotainment system this year, but there's still no channel selection knob. I don't know why. Why? Did, why? Our Elite model also had heated and cool front seats, heated steering wheel, remote start. Um, behind the comfortable and roomy rear seat was a fully carpeted cargo area. About 40 cubic feet that expands to almost 80 cubic feet with the seats folded. Good size center console storage under the rear deck. Plenty of cup holders, bins, all that sort of stuff. Um, the all-new Honda Passport offers a combination of stylish good looks with the ability to just about go anywhere. For those buyers looking for a combination of off-road adventure and highway cruiser, the Passport hits the mark. Base price starts at $33,000, 19 city, 24 highway. Did a little less than that. Let's uh, talk with our buddy Paul at Braintree. Paul? Hi, good morning. Good uh, morning. Really quick. Uh, this is uh, maybe a general AAA question, and it's ghost drivers. I, I ran into them on the expressway um, a couple nights this week, and um, people just don't have the headlights on at all. And I don't understand how people can drive, and the dashboard is, is, is black, or they just they, they just can't see anything. Uh, one is a Dodge um, minivan of some sort, and I forgot what the other one was. Mm. And, you, and you flash your lights at them, and then they just are out to the world. You know? Yeah. They, um, you well, know, you know, this is, a, this is a legal marijuana state now, so... That possibly could be. Uh, I I wasn't quote well. You know, sometimes uh, if the ventilation system in these cars are working and you are behind one, you you definitely you definitely know it. Know that that's yeah. the case. Yeah. You know, but uh, but but I don't I don't know if this one was, and um, I don't know if there's anything. I mean, in a certain cars, I mean, you they they should go on automatically. You, you My would, car goes on automatically. Yeah, you, would, you, you would think so. Um, it's just dangerous. That's it, it is. It's absolutely dangerous. Sometimes what happens is uh, cars with daytime running lights, um, people just forget to turn the lights on because they it, it, because there there is a little bit of dashboard illumination and they kind of and all of a sudden they realize their lights aren't on. But if there's no lights on whatsoever, well, you know, there's, there's I guess it's been that way for years. And and you know, fortunately, and I don't think this was a case judging by a minivan. But there was years back. There was sort of a uh, a lights out challenge. So it was knuckleheads, kids, mostly kids. I hope would do would try to drive around with their lights out. And then supposedly there was also something about when you flashed your lights at them, they would chase you down and I don't know, rob you or something. Yeah. But uh, but you know part of it was how far could you drive drive around with your lights off and. Uh, and, and and real popular, it was through the the hills of uh, the roads up around Blue Hills, where it's dark and oh, where it's dark and scary. You know, try to see how far you could drive with your lights out as fast as you could until you hit a tree. Um, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> I got no answers for that. So, I guess all we could do at this point is just uh, they're they're idiots and just. Yeah, or, I or try to stay as far back. I yeah. mean, after flashing lights at them, yeah. didn't didn't help. I. Yeah. I was getting off the highway anyway. Yeah, so there you go. Good luck smart move. Were. All right, we'll just All keep right, on. We'll just keep much. a keep Hands a lookout for him. All right, thanks, Paul. Take well, care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Speaking of Paul, there he is right there. Paul Sullivan, right there. Uh, Mary, Mary said hi. Is she going to keep listening? No, sure, she says she listens all day. Oh, excellent. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Yeah, she talks to Bobby. Talks to you once in a while. Good. Yeah, talks talks to everybody. Matt. It's it, it's a very common name, so there are a lot. I can't 
uh, pinpoint exactly which Marriott might she be. She had an Irish accent. It's a very <laughs> common uh, name and occurrence. And I She's from Braintree. All right. Hi, Mary. From Braintree. <laughs> there you go. In Ireland. In Ireland. Yeah. Yes, yes. A very nice lady. What's up? Nothing. I just, it's uh, just uh, another another day, another dollar here in the radio station. You know? you know how horrible my vision is. Uh, Claire drove me uh, to work again today, yeah. as she's wont to do. And I said, you know, traffic's going to get bad over here when people start moving into those uh, units across the way. She goes, Sully, people are already in those units. They are. I they, said, they have a parking garage. Yes, that's yeah. what she said. Yeah. I see, I didn't know yeah, that. see. <laughs> this is inside radio for anyone yeah. who's never been yeah. over to where we are. But, yeah. Um, no, uh, Quincy, Quincy's the most happening place in the world, it seems like. They're building how many how many thousands of housing units? Every day, Four it's thousand a couple more thousand here yeah. and there yeah. that Crazy, pop up huh? out of the blue. Well, yeah. People want to be yeah. here. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's in a suburb of Boston, one T-stop away. Well, you know, the Marina Bay location is wonderful, and I know that it's uh, you know it's an elite um, uh, address. It's really windy over here. Oh my god! All the time. <laughs> it's so windy. I don't mean to, to down, you know, to bring down the uh, real estate values, but you have to hold on to your hat. Yeah, although but it I, is gorgeous. Although I will say, um, twelve or thirteen years ago, however long I was here, when I first started. Oh, congratulations it, and a happy anniversary! It's, by it's the not. Way. It's not for a couple. Not for another month. It's coming okay. up. or so. So it's keep that. Up. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. But it was. I walked over to what was Captain Fishbones. That's changed their name now. Right. What is it uh, now? I don't even know. Uh, I have the something point. Something okay. Po- Victory yeah. point. I think. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. like that. And I I went went over there and had a successful first show and had a bloody mary and almost blew off the deck over there. Yeah. So you it was Oh it was, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was it was, yeah, it was yeah. windy over there then too. So. Yep. Anyway, we got to go because the very best in Irish music coming up with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade. Stay listen. Three like, hours of Irish yeah. wind. Yeah. <laughs> Be like Mary. Listen all day. Yes. All day. Today I'm going to blow them away with Today and tomorrow, yeah. very best in Irish music whether it's the Irish Hit Parade, the Bailey Cayley or Hurricane Paul. Or Hurricane Paul. Anyone, <laughs> any one of those. It's all here. It's all here for you. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye. Well, I spent the night beneath the hotel. Now, sad misfortune came over me. It caused me 